Yeah, welcome. Have I got any first again? <laughs> yes. You're so quick, Paul. <laughs> Paul actually uh, threw my coffee on the table twice today. Twice today, and Janina's gripping her. Uh, I'm keeping it safe. Keeping it safe for me. <laughs> what are we going to talk about today, Paul? Well, Janina. I thought we might talk about North America yeah. and 5G. <laughs> yes, which is very good because we actually... By coincidence. By coincidence, we managed to talk to Peter Linder. He is Swedish, although he's living in the US. Living in the US. So I guess I should call him Peter Linder. He's famous on Twitter as One Linders. One Linders, at yeah. One Linders. At One yes. Linders. He's the head of marketing for 5G in North America. Isn't that a cool place cool, to be right now? A, a cool title, I would say. Yeah. Mm? And a cool place to be, definitely, for 5G. So we wanted him on the podcast and we managed to meet with him at Mobile Congress as he was there. So later on this episode, we will have the interview with Peter about what's happening in North, North America. Mm. But perhaps we'll start off with some quick recap and uh, some news. Yeah. Or some uh, shout outs, maybe. Should we start off with some shout outs? Say hi. Hi. Hi to Sofia in London. It's great to have you as a listener and keep listening. Uh, she said that she loved the podcast. And she was on episode three, so it might be a while <laughs> until she listens to this one. So by about June, <laughs> Sophie, yes. you'll, you'll hear us say hi. Hi. Uh, but uh, keep listening. And, yes. uh, and when you have Chris as well, who's uh, somewhere in Asia. Yes. And Wondering uh, if we can give him some tips on 5G use cases, Paul. Do we have some cool 5G use cases? Cool for, 5G for use Chris? cases. Well, well, I think the, the first thing is that, you know, the, the use cases that everyone talks about starting with you know in the, in, in the first uh, years or so mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, enhanced mobile broadband so that's kind of doing most of the things we do with uh, LTE uh, 4G today mm-hmm. uh, and fixed wireless just, access yeah, but just smart faster and less latency and like instant faster, yeah, so faster. that's, yeah, that's faster, enhanced faster. enhanced yeah. mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, you know the the, the uh, higher higher throughput rates mm-hmm. Uh, maybe uh, better performance at the edge of the, at the edge of the network and, and those kinds of things. So, more gaming experiences. Uh, better, yeah. g- mm. b- better gaming experience. Mm. That's one. That's one of those. Yeah. Uh, and I have a, sp- a particular case there that we've talked about before, which is immersive sports, and uh, that was actually one of the things we looked at uh, when we talked about when we were talking about Barcelona. Yeah, because then uh, we have two aspects of sporting events. Right. Yeah, that five G yeah. might uh, contribute. Yeah, five G comes in, in 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 different ways. Firstly, there's the this the um, stadium experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that five G, you know, can be used to give you much better th- throughput and coverage in the stadium. Yeah. So, so when you're so watching something, you so want when to you're live and want to sh- sh- want to stream your video to your friends or whatever, then. You know the, the network in the stadium should be should be much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's this thing that we call immersive immersive experience, and that yes. can be even if as, as a spectator in the stadium mm-hmm. uh, with uh, the ability to, you know, like get um, um, 
different views. Uh, different views yeah. of what's going on. So mm. if you're you know, if you're stuck in the stand about halfway up, yeah, you not can, everyone you can, can uh, be in the front row. When it gets exciting, you can pick up your pick up your phone and see what see what it looks like from uh, on the goal line or whatever. Yeah. Um, instant replays, mm. that type of thing, or maybe you can pull up statistics on your favorite on your favorite players, or mm. you can, you know, you can uh, you, you can flick to the camera angles to see whether it's really offside and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so that and and sports and the different things you can do with sports, that's that's seen as being one of the areas where operators are likely to see, uh, in, you know, benefits. In, from 5G in being yeah. able to do those things. Mm. Virtual reality is another one. If you're sat at home, you can. Uh, you don't have to be sat in the stadium. You can sit at home and and get the experience of being in the stadium. Mm. So maybe you, that sounds of, very futuristic, but yeah, uh, mm. yeah. But maybe instead of uh, instead of uh, buying a season ticket to go to your favourite football team, you'd buy a season ticket to be able to uh, to put your VR headset on and uh, and sit down in the stadium. In your in your, on your sofa mm-hmm. in your armchair, and uh, uh, it, you probably get a shorter queue to go and collect the beer from the fridge. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so so that's one fixed wireless access. Of course, we've talked about. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, providing you know, broadband uh, to the home uh, using the you know, broad or the wide bandwidth capabilities of five G. And then we expect uh, industrial applications to kind of follow on from from that. Um, and uh, and when you say the industrial applications, what is so it? that's uh, that's using the network for non-consumer applications, mm-hmm. uh, and so that can be in factories, uh, it can be in connected vehicles, um, it can be uh, in remote healthcare. Uh, you know those those types of use cases, um, mm-hmm. and uh, we had Marie on who was talking about uh, the different classes of Internet of Things connectivity. Uh, so we we talk about massive IoT and broadband IoT being use cases which we can see in being tackled today with 4G networks, uh, and as we go into 5G networks and you get better performance and particularly shorter latency. Then you can do more critical stuff. So we have what we call critical IoT, and then what we call industrial automation IoT, mm. which is where you put uh, systems um, that into factories to run deterministic use cases. Yeah, I really like the use case. So we've done uh, in with mining, uh, and when I say we, I mean Ericsson. But we've done some test. Uh, cases where we have connected vehicles in mines because uh, I just think it's really cool that uh, then people don't have to be subjected to the dangers that as always is to to work in a mine and also like oh it's it might not be so much fun to work in a mine all day and not see the mm. sunlight. But but so. there's, a, there's actually kind of a, there's a there's a mix of benefits there because mm. what, you know one of the reasons for wanting to do uh, one of the things that you can use the network for is uh, you know supporting um, you know remote vehicles <coughs> yeah. either you know t- autonomous or semi-autonomous vehicles mm-hmm. that that go go in go into difficult places maybe uh, tele automation or teleoperation mm-hmm. where you've got a driver who's, who's sitting remotely from the vehicle uh, so you you can 
um, avoid putting people into polluted or hazardous environments, uh, which, you know, for, so from a safety point of view, but also in the mine, um, uh, you do things like blasting, and if you, if you blast underground, then there's a lot of dust and debris and fumes and stuff yes. created in an underground environment. You can't send people into that environment until the, until the atmosphere is, is clear. Mm. So, but uh, you can send machines. Yeah. Uh, so that actually gives an efficiency improvement for a, mm -hmm. for a mine to be able to send in machines to do stuff. Some more um, of a win-win situation. So it's kind of win-win. You, mm -hmm. you don't get to put people into, into dirty, horrible, dangerous, unhealthy situations, mm -hmm. and you get an efficiency improvement for, for running the mine. Mm -hmm which helps with profitability and you know mining is one of these businesses where you know, different parts of the mining industry from time to time they find it difficult you know, to actually maintain profit profitability on can yeah. depends what you're mining I guess for sure now that I come to think about it we actually talked a lot about use cases with Peter we did we did mm? Perhaps we should leave it at that. Yeah, we use cases and use places. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Use cases and use places. So, 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 so that was uh, Chris's question. Yeah. What about what about five use cases? Mm. Um, but what about North America? Yes. We had some news last week. Oh yeah. Uh, North. I mean, we talked about um, we talk about North America a lot because, of course, uh, it's the, the American operator has been quite high profile in bringing five G to market. Um, started last year with uh, Verizon and their fixed wireless access offering. Um, we saw uh, AT&T uh, introducing uh, uh, mobile network uh, services in, uh, at the end of last year. Mm. Uh, and just last week, or maybe it was the end of the week before, uh, we saw Sprint uh, announce that uh, they're going to go live with 5G services uh, in May. Yeah. In uh, in a number of cities in the US, mm -hmm. and uh, we're we're actually quite happy and proud to say that uh, those first rollouts, uh, you know, a lot of that coverage is going to be provided by Ericsson, and that's really cool. In fact, if uh, if you're a if you're a, I wouldn't say it. I, I was going to say if you're a twit, but then that's <laughs> not a, that's not a kind of say to, thing to say. <coughs> if you're active on Twitter, uh, you can go in. If you're and a twitterer, if you're a twitterer, yeah, you can go in and see John Saw talking to. Uh, talking to us, well, not Janina and I, but us, Ericsson, mm. uh, about the things that uh, we're doing for uh, Sprint yeah. in uh, rolling out 5G. As he is the Sprint CTO. He, yes. Sorry, yeah, correct. <laughs> not everyone knows John, um, Paul. John, Paul, George, <laughs> and Ringo. Ringo. <laughs> uh, and um, on that topic, the mm. things that we're doing for Sprint, um, one of the things that uh, they're going to be taking into the network, one of the technologies which is that they're going to use in, in rolling out 5G is something called split mode, mm. uh, uh, massive MIMO radios, yeah. which is something we, we had on the stand in, in Barcelona. Mm. Uh, and that's uh, uh, interesting where you take a massive MIMO radio and you use it as if it's two radios. Um, because yes. you have lots of antennas, you can use some for one thing and some for another thing. Mm -hmm. uh, in this, in the, and in the same band, you can then run four G and five G. Yeah, which means that uh, you can add five G into bands where you're currently running four G today. So, what's the difference there between that and the spectrum sharing? 
Um, that so, we talked about in the spectrum. Yeah, so that <laughs> on the spectrum sharing. So, yeah. so the massive MIMO radio, that's sending out beams. Mm-hmm. So there you will send a beam that's, that's directed out to a user using, using f- either 4G or 5G. Uh, and, uh, and it's actually using the separate carriers. Uh, and it's running at, at higher frequency bands. Whereas the dynamic spectrum sharing, which we're, which we're you know, introducing... Um, that's going to allow you to simultaneously run 4G and 5G in the same in the same band carrier uh, at, at low, in lower frequency bands. Right, but you don't in have 4G bands. In 4G mm. bands, but yes. you don't have that flexibility to be able to do beams, to, you know, to use beams to actually direct traffic. Ah. Okay, mm? good to know. US Cellular. US Cellular. They, that's, uh, that was also news last week. Um that's uh, the fifth uh, US operator to sign up with us for, for uh, 5G coverage and that, yeah. that I think that uh, more or less makes the set in, <laughs> in terms of uh, the, the big operators and then of course you have a, 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 a large number of uh, smaller operators in the US it's a very interesting um, ecosystem mm-hmm. in, environment um, that uh, operating in, in the different states so we'll see those moving towards 5G as well um, and US Cellular is also planning second half of 2019. Uh, is that true? Plan- yeah, so that's uh, also this year. Yeah, wow. Lots of stuff happening this so year. So lots of ha- stuff happening in the US for sure. Yeah, and just one other thing. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you ask about this, what's the difference between split mode and um, the um, uh, dynamic spectrum sharing? Yeah. Um, split mode is because it's using separate 4G and 5G. Um, uh, you know, you can use the, you can use that with a uh, with a five G handset directly. Uh, the to use the dynamic spectrum sharing uh, that happens in the FTD bands, and so you need a five G phone that supports five G and FTD. And those uh-huh. are not going to be coming out until later this year. Okay. The back end of this year. Okay. So that that's kind of the difference. That uh, one one is a technology which is directly compatible with smartphones that are coming now. now. And one is uh, going to be compatible with smartphones that are coming a little later. In like six but months' only a, time. But only mm? a little later. A little, little later. Mm? Still uh, uh, standard compliant and all those kinds of things. Absolutely. Good, good to know. And we can also mention that this uh, split mode, uh, we demoed it at Mobile Congress together with Sprint and that we won a Glomo for our massive MIMO. So we won a Glomo for best mobile network infrastructure <laughs> for our massive MIMO. Mm? Yeah, you can, Janine is very pleased about that, you can yes, tell. Yes, indeed. Always happy to win prizes. Is it on your mantelpiece? I I tried to get it home, but someone stole it from me. <laughs> Gra- grabbed it from my <laughs> from my white knuckled hands. Prized it out of the fingers. <laughs> Perhaps they want to have it here in the office. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no. It's, it's probably under lock and key. Did you see that in the in the o- official photo from the press release at Ericsson? I think they used was it your photo or someone else's photo? You can see. Uh, in the price, there is something red mirrored because it's like a very, very shiny price. Mm. You can see something red mirrored in it. That's me. That's my <laughs> red blouse. <laughs> so, you see, 
I'm there. I'm right there. You've left your mark. <laughs> I've left my, my I left my mark on another glow. <laughs> yeah. Janine is collecting Glomo photos. I am. I am. So let's uh, jump back a week to Mobile Congress and uh, Peter Linder. Yeah, picture yourself in the hall. It's Thursday. The crowds are starting to dissipate. The the uh, the, the uh, we we. Uh, Take the, take the stairs up to the VIP section. Yeah. And we sit and look out over the hall as people go b- bubble about their daily business. Yeah. And we have Peter with us. Yes. And we're going to talk 5G with Peter Linda. We are. For the US. Thank you very much. Head of 5G marketing in North America for Ericsson. That's correct. Yeah. What are you doing here? Uh, I've been here talking about consumer experience with 5G for this week. Um, essentially what we can do with 5G for consumers beyond the obvious and basic uh, mobile broadband or enhanced mobile broadband. So we have seven different, different areas around that theme that uh, I've been here talking about and engaging with customers, media, and some of our partners. Wow. And what are, what is, what's the feedback? What are, what are customers saying now? No, I think a lot, lot, there's a lot of interesting conversations that we've had since uh, a lot saying, hey, everybody knows they're going to do 5G, but they're not really going to know how, how they're going to do it. Okay. And exactly what they're going to do first. Yeah. And so it's uh, a little bit. And what people were going to use it for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're starting to get some ideas, but it's, it's easier to agree on what we're going to do in five years than what we're going to do year one. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially for, I think that goes both for consumer and industry, but especially for consumers. It's, it's, it's important that we position and get engaged with, with people on 5G so they don't see it as just a little bit faster 4G. Yeah. It's like then it's 4G 10.0 mm-hmm. or 11.0 and yeah, people think that they, they know it. I, I believe firmly that 5G has way more potential than that. So I wanted to talk, be here to talk about those kind of things and uh, see, see what kind of reaction we get from people when we present these, uh, our thoughts on the subject. Yeah, and as we keep saying in this podcast, you never knew what the hit was going to be before we launched 3G, before we launched 4G, yeah. and now when we're launching 5G. Yeah. It's, the, it's the ability of doing new things and then what it's getting used for and the different use cases that's building up yeah absolutely it's, it's like easy to get get caught in the in the discussion like our parents generation or our, the generation before mm-hmm. us essentially saying hey you don't need mobile telephone you can yeah. you can call from the fixed phone when you get home mm-hmm. yeah. and, you, and you don't need sms or text neither because you can send postcards if you want to write, yeah. write something to or, people and you don't need a fixed line telephone because you can send a boy with a message <laughs> uh, well, like a phone we had at least when I grew up, but uh, <laughs> but I, I the ball is now. older. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's 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 very much the um, I think it's very much uh, these kind of things that we fight against. Everybody says, "Hey, 4G is good enough. I, I don't need anything better." 
but then we fail to see see what uh, what is coming. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's it's very easy to see if you go back one G, two G, three G, four G. There's two things that are clear. A, we did not fully understand the phenomenal transformational impact that each generation had when we were planning for it. Yeah. And B, we always missed what we're going to be used for. Yeah. 3G, we talked violently about mobile internet and we talked about video telephony and the, the screens in our phones had 20 characters. Yeah. And mm. then when 4G came, we talked very much, oh, this is about mobile broadband, this is about connecting laptops left and right. Uh, we didn't really see the the, the the power of the smartphone. At least we, s- we saw it before we launched, but when we were planning for it, we didn't really fully know it. So I have a lot of respect for the ability to predict, but also know we help. We have to, to help everybody to predict and see what's going on beyond, because it's very easy to see the f- just think that well, five years, like four years, but a little bit faster, and there's robotic surgery, and, that, and then that's it. Whereas there's so many different facets and nuances going on uh, underneath. Uh, can you tell me, tell us something about, say, the coolest thing that you've seen here at Mobile Congress at our booth? Is there anything you particularly want to mention that we've seen? Or mm, well, I think one of the coolest things I've seen here is uh, the um, the remote operation of a truck. In, uh, in the truck is in Sweden. It's an autonomous truck, fully electrical, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's and it weighs seven tons. Is that right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. But the truck is in Sweden. We have the driver sitting here at the at the show in Barcelona. Even if you have an autonomous truck, it's it's not very likely that we'll give uh, vehicles driving licenses anytime soon. So there has to be someone that's responsible, which is like within reach of the steering wheel. So here, you, from here, you can remotely operate. That, that kind of truck. Mm-hmm. Extra interesting for me. I, I spoke with uh, with Robert, the CEO for Einright, mm-hmm. uh, two years ago or a year and a half ago, and he he explained what he was doing, and I, I had a really hard time to, to grasp it and mm-hmm. understand that you as a startup could create uh, interesting new innovations for uh, for the future of transportation. Mm-hmm. And now we're sitting here today, and, and actually you can drive it from here. And yeah. I, I, I think it's really interesting because it, what you're effectively doing is making driving a truck into an office job. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I spoke with one of our partners in, uh, uh, which are, are doing remote operations today, but over 4G. Mm-hmm. And they said that they don't hire truck drivers to do the job. They hire people, really, people that are really good at playing video games, yeah. because they they can they can navigate. They're, they're familiar with the user interface. Yeah. yeah. So so and so so just to conclude, the I mean the a, uh, a truck driver could don't have to stay in this little cabinet uh, like all day, all night, uh, being on the road in the future. He might have an office job. No, but if, if, and, and anything that's remotely operated, if you if you look at, uh, say, how, how many people are driving construction machines in the yeah. world today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, two, was it two years ago we had a, a, a digger on a site digger. here at, at Barcelona? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of these kind of things, how how do you how do you make sure that um, if you're a truck driver today or remote in operating construction machines and so on? It's uh, people of a certain age that have grown up, had that as a profession a long, long time. But in the younger generation, how many people dream of being a, a truck driver or a, uh, or a construction machine operator? Perhaps mm. a lot less. 
would they be more excited if they were sitting in a in a, in a nice chair within a, in an operations room mm -hmm. with an interface that's more like a, a TV TV game? TV game. Yeah. Perhaps that's that's way closer to perhaps their core skills. Yeah. Not trying to bash the uh, the professions that exist today in any way, but I have large respect for for recruiting to the professions uh, tomorrow that were very popular in the generation ahead of us. Mm -hmm. It would be perhaps be a lot harder. Yeah. yeah. So, so all those parents out there that have got kids that sit at home playing computer games all day, it's okay, they're training <laughs> for the future job. It can very much be so. At least they're, they're way better than flying drones than I am. I can tell you that. I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at video games. I barely play them. Therefore, I really str I str struggle. I have a small drone, still in potty training with that one, <laughs> and uh, still still struggle. Uh, yeah, uh, but, but drones is an interesting one of those interesting cases that that five G is expected to, to play into that as well. Yeah, it's it's relevant for drones because today you have for drone you have to have line of sight between where you are and the drone. So mm. you essentially have to see the drone. So you can't drive it further than you see it or someone that's on your team that you have put out there specifically with the purpose of seeing what's going on with the drone. So when we when drones could connect to a, uh, a 5G network, then drones could fly away further. So as fly at least as far as you're, well, not a whole lot further, but close to like the battery limitations. And yeah. I don't expect 5G to fix drones flying with like extending battery life of flying drones, but uh, I expect, expect to see that you can you can fly further and, and apply for different mm. applications. Yeah. So we move into 5G in North America, yeah. your expert area. Yeah. That's what is happening there? The 5G has been very exciting. If we go back a little bit to how it all started, I think there was a uh, four years ago we started to have conversations with the operators and saying, hey, we want to get everybody in the whole world on the same 5G track and also saw that the time plans were most likely short, had to be pulled in mm. by a year or a year and a half. So we started intense collaborations with the North American operators uh, with standard submissions and proposals so that we, had, we could pull in uh, quite a bit of the, the, the timeline in, in the standards. So uh, with, with that done, we also had the possibility to pretty much all of 2000 in the late 17, early 18, doing a number of different trials with mm -hmm. diff different operators across all different categories. Mm -hmm. Mobile operators, cable operators, fixed operators, private network operators. It's been a very strong and multifaceted interest for 5G, mm -hmm. both for like, people are planning to deploy 5G, clearly that have licenses and everything, but also operates the scene. Can we use this technology, especially for fixed wireless applications? Is this something that more or less everybody should be considering? Fixed wireless, perhaps both for us as residential broadband, but also for uh, connecting businesses. Yeah. 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 And that was, of course, the first launch of 5G uh, there in December. Yeah. And even before. With Verizon. We, even. even uh, no, the, uh, I mean, I started a little, little bit earlier, but if you go back a little bit, even before that, <coughs> there was a number of different activities in uh, 2018, which was essentially about exploring and evaluating technology in real-life conditions. Yeah. So how does this really behave for a fixed wireless application? Yeah. How does this behave in a mobile application? Yeah. So we were testing all kinds of things. We also mm -hmm. engaged very much with uh, different industry partners, showcasing this for applications where it has never been used in the past. For example, we were connecting 4K cameras over 5G 
to for professional production of uh, video services, not only having to send things over satellite or fiber, yeah. mm. having the ability to actually use 5G for mm. for those kind of things. Yeah. And, we, and we've done those in other parts of the world as well. Yeah. So with the Winter Games last year, we were we were doing something similar. Absolutely. So so this has been very much so. I think you can, you can describe 5G in North America in 2018 was very much about, at least in the, in, in the early stages, was like preparing the technology, evaluating the technology under real-life conditions. We see how it was behaving and testing some of the use cases that tested the, the, the arc of the possible. Yeah. And then at the back end of the year we had launches with fixed wireless. Uh, Ryzen launched fixed wireless in, in four cities in uh, in October and then in December, AT&T launched mobile 5G in, in a number of cities. Right. So it's. Uh, so are those the two launches that are out now? Those are the two operators that have launched in, in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like what we have ahead of us, is a little bit, of course, increasing the net, the size of the networks, building, extending the reach, uh, where we, where we now deploying it. But it's also there's a lot. For those of you listening to the program, it's part of it. Not everything with 5G has to be built. Uh, yeah. 5G can be launched and turned up in most in a large quantity of our uh, our existing mobile networks. So you can take an Ericsson network today deplo- with hardware deployed the last three years, mm-hmm. upgrade it with 5G software, yeah, and combining 4G and 5G in the same same carriers. Yeah. So when we're talking about, I think it's important to see with 5G, there's this nuances to 5G. And this one is something that can be received very large spread, very quick. It's going in the, in the lower band, uh, low and mid band uh, of, uh, of the radio spectrum. Mm-hmm. And we have dual connectivity and spectrum sharing capabilities, carrier aggregation that actually allow you to do quite a bit with those yeah. ones. Yeah. So that one will be widespread, and then that um, perhaps what what we're discussing on top of that is the build with uh, of uh, small cells or uh, with um, densification of the radio grid, where we build with millimeter wave spectrum, so high band spectrum, uh, shorter distances with very high performance. Mm-hmm. I mean that gives you very high, very high download speeds, but but it also gives you a lot of capacity for where you have large numbers of users. Yeah, no, but it's it's also where we. Uh, where we, uh, yeah, it's, it can be used both for the for the fixed wireless application. It can be used for very high uh, performance yeah. uh, or high, very high capacity of mobile broadband user in a geographic, uh, location. in specific location. So it's not areas, it's not areas where we don't have coverage. It's areas where we have coverage but not enough capacity. Yeah. So I mean, um, be, 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 before the uh, before the recording. Uh, we were talking about use cases, and you said that uh, actually you think we should be talking more about use places instead. Do you want to explain what you mean? Yeah, I can elaborate a little bit that one. When we, we talk about use cases, we like if you look at use cases of a 5G, you come up with a couple of hundred use cases fairly easily. Um, but the hard part is, okay, so if you now know that there are a hundred, you sit and calculate a business case for each of them, would you try to go out and, and, and attack? certain areas or locations where you can provide a clear and significant difference like it's attractive to go after a, a stadium or a venue mm-hmm. uh, because there's there's a lot of things you can do to improve the user experience at yep. the venue by adding digital elements to it 
there's a lot of things you could do if users could share not only tweets and pictures, but if they could share video live from wherever they're going, that would be a significant uh, improvement. 5G could, uh, could play a role in that. And it's like, you pretty much know how, how to design that for a, for a venue. Second thing is, I think it's very interesting to go through university. A number of countries have launched their first 5G uh, networks and nodes at university campuses. Yeah, why, do you want, yeah, why do you want to go for universities? Well, we have a very large amount of uh, power users mm -hmm. at the university, a very high concentration in, in a very small area. Uh, university is also a perfect location for small and medium-sized uh, companies to come and collaborate and, and yeah. test and evaluate their 5G ideas in real night, light network co condition. We expect it to be a lot of collaborations taking place for developing and creating and enabling new use cases. You need to be able to go somewhere and test it out. Mm -hmm. And most smaller medium companies are too small to actually consider that uh, on their own. Yeah. If you're a larger company, perhaps you want to have 5G at uh, your corporate campus or where you have your main innovation hubs so that your innovation teams can, can test things with 5G in, in, in live conditions. Uh, you might have want to have 5G at airports. You, yeah. you think it's not enough just to connect people any longer, you need to connect both people and planes, so that all data so, is coming off on a plane, for example. Yeah, do, do you see these things happening in the North, North America now? They're not happening in the sense that, hey, have we launched this? Uh, and is it, is it rolled out? But, yeah. but what I'm seeing is, based on the conversations we're having, uh, the, the discussions around where we're going to deploy mm -hmm. and for what purpose, mm -hmm. just like front and center. So, and if, if you look at it, like shopping malls is another area, we need to find a place where will we market the 5G services first yeah. to people. Yeah. And uh, assuming that we, we switch off on, not switch off, switch on 5G, in, uh, we do it in, in the mid-band spectrum, we do it in low-band spectrum on the existing macro towers. Uh, where do we go beyond that? Mm -hmm. And uh, what I'm saying and seeing is when you talk about where are we going to go next, it's, and when you're looking at the technology like a microwave uh, or millimeter wave technology, that it's fairly limited reach. So you need, like if you're not going to talk about putting up gazillions of poles to so support it, it's easier to do that for a, a confined area where you clearly see clearly see a use. Mm -hmm. And there, you, when you do that, you typically have multiple different use cases. Yeah. Over, over. So the 5G yeah. becomes a horizontal, horizontal platform in that yeah. particular area and then a number of use cases on top of it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because by the end of the day, you need to decide where you're going to build. If, mm -hmm. Where's your first 5G? <laughs> where are you going yeah, yeah. to build first? Yeah. So it's, I don't think it's rocket science in, in any way, but it's just a perhaps a different, different tweak yeah. to the thinking that, um, mm -hmm. that help, help you to plan and easily see what's going on. Yeah, and that's what? actually one of, the, one of the things that I think, think came out yesterday was a collaboration we're doing with te Telefonica here in Spain with uh, you know, installing 5G into a, into a big football stadium. The big football stadium. Sorry, the big. The, the big football. The big. Okay. There is only one here in Barcelona. Okay. <laughs> the big football stadium in Barcelona. To, yeah. to give to be able to give you that like immersive sports experience. And, yeah. You know, it's it's a classic problem for, for any network is how do you provide a service to fifty thousand people or seventy thousand people in the yeah. same place? Yeah. Have you seen uh, American operators doing things uh, here? What what 
about uh, what are they saying about? Well, to be honest, I, I haven't barely been outside of here at the Ericsson booth. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to. Peter. But they've been when, here. When, Everything uh, is right. right? They've well, been when, here. When, when, when you're working here, you get the luxury of getting picked up. Uh, at hours which like you, you, you barely want to take a taxi to the airport if you travel alone and yeah. uh, then you're getting back in after after the debriefs and everything which just like yeah. get home and crash but this is mobile world congress everyone's yeah. here right yeah yeah so what so are I, they saying now to us do they like our stuff <laughs> no i think that for for a lot of the conversations that we're having here this is this is just or say mobile world congress is a great great place to sync up with with people that we already discuss discuss so like this conversation that's going on on, on, on a daily basis <laughs> no but it's it's very much conversation that's going on the whole time and then the yeah. best thing with mobile world congress you have is you get to meet face to face to face with a lot of people at the same time yeah yeah uh, versus otherwise you have to try yet around and uh, since uh, operators yeah. tend to be spread out they're mm-hmm. not all having the headquarters in the mm-hmm. same and, office and it's a great place to be able to see all of the different things be able to talk about different aspects of the, the, the business and the technology, whether it's the, the networks, the it is. Uh, analytics. And it's software. also a really great place where we show things together with operators we do. and do things together with no, operators. No, but it's, just think about it. When we uh, we show off here, we have, we have meetings with uh, folks, but if, if, we, if we take our customers in North America, if, the, if they're 10, 20 people, that's a 30 people, that's a fairly sizable delegation. Those 30 people, uh, when we got them here, we, we should both meet them in person and we should show them, I don't know, how do we have 100 demos or something like that? Yeah. There's no chance that they, they can see all of this. But it's also, it gives them a little bit of teaser, show what we have, and mm. then we can do something more locally down the road. Yeah. And uh, this, uh, the demo that we actually won the Best Mobile Networks Award, Glomo Award for, was, that is a demo together with an Amer- American operator, Sprint. Yeah. Sprint and Massive Mimo. Yeah. Yes. So that is a. Uh, oh, it's a very, very uh, interesting achievement. We're very proud of that, and uh, what we've done, and uh, we're proud with what we've done with all North American operators yeah. because it, it's it's genuine pioneering work mm-hmm. to make five five G ready for for prime time. Yeah. And intense collaborations. What do you see in the future? What's going to happen in the near future in North America now? When I look at the future, I essentially look at the, uh, the, the, at the five-year plan and what we think is going to happen over the mm-hmm. next five-year plan. I see the evolution path more or less as a curriculum at the university. We need to figure out what we... We know it's roughly five years to, that we're going to build and collaborate on a lot of things. We need to sequence the things that we do. So we take easier things first and harder things down the road as we go and learn. And uh, we need to pay attention to what is it, what are the use cases we're going to use cases and use places we're going to go after and in which order. Uh, And I think that um, creating that path, creating excitement of what we see, uh, I think it's been really interesting here. We've been talking about a survey that is about 30 use cases in 22 countries versus when we were here a year ago and talked about 10 use cases in three countries fundamental difference mm-hmm. so I, I think we're, we're we're getting deeper into the dialogues of actually what is going to happen and, and the fact that you you need to peel onion once or twice uh, getting into some, some deeper conversation you can't just uh, do what I call the uh, 
alignment on the number plate level and say, hey, ARB, are, yep, got it, you get it, yep, I know where it is, okay, and then think we're aligned about what we're going to do mm-hmm. next. We need, we need to be way sharper in, in, in the, uh, in, in, hey, what do we think, who are we doing this for, what the devices we're going to use, what spectrums we're going to use, where do we need the radius and the network to evolve to, to support these use cases and, and, and those kind of conversations. But that's most likely what's going to happen yep. a lot this year. I think, do we have everything we want? Paul? Anything else? Um, we could uh, talk about rural. <laughs> yeah. We see a lot of, uh, seen some discussion in, you know, in terms of this, there's a lot of focus in 5G in, in uh, the high density urban districts. Yeah, US is a, it's a huge country. No, but I think it's very important. Like we, we talk very much about we talk about smart cities. We talk about competition and 5G and 5G something's going to hit the main markets. Mm-hmm. No one will forget. People won't forget to do that. We won't. We'll not forget to do five <laughs> cities, smart cities, no. and yeah. we'll not forget to do 5G in urban areas. It's a very important part of the evolution. Is the role 5G will play in the countryside mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that if if cities become smarter and smarter and smarter the uh, the countryside need to become clever and be on a similar journey with not a too large gap <coughs> so smart cities and clever countryside yeah. yeah smart cities and clever countryside is a good good thing to 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 look at and i think when we go there if you look at fixed wireless for example in in urban areas or metro, large metropolitan areas there's certain areas where fi- fixed wireless will not you know, will not rip out the fiber and replace it with fixed wireless. But there's areas of urban areas with, where the fiber has not reached, where yeah. fixed wireless is great. Yeah. But when you get out on the countryside and in rural areas, fixed wireless is the infrastructure for, for creating a, a, a comprehensive broadband, both a mobile broadband and a fixed broadband. Yeah. And we talked about Verizon's deployments. And I think that the... Um, the, the difference that 5G can make in the countryside is today, the 4G network might not be there the way it's, it could be, mm-hmm. and the fixed network is for sure not there, what is, uh, people are ex- expecting, what's required. If we deploy 5G in rural communities passing mid-band spectrum, it's like taking two, two dirt roads and turning them into one paved road. And a, fa- a new infrastructure which is way more capable that you can use both for serving fixed broadband services and mobile broadband services yep. from one network. Mm-hmm. And I'm very passionate about that opportunity mm-hmm. uh, because we will need that infrastructure mm-hmm. for essentially not only for the people living there but for, for transforming those rural communities. And is this something that you see is happening right now or will We're, this be the next step? It's happening in in the next phase we clearly see interest right now that everybody sees the potential mm-hmm. everybody sees the potentials for if you're looking at regulators policy makers they see this that we need to have 5g in the countryside mm-hmm. same way you built wow. farm farm roads 100 years ago if yeah. there's no road <laughs> from the farm into town mm-hmm. then you can't well what's the point of, of, of uh, the farm yeah. what's yeah. the point of if trying to cultivate things if you yeah. can't reach the markets yeah. yeah. and going forward you'll have it's hard to move farming into town. Yeah. It's hard to move green energy production into mm. town. It's hard to move nature tourism into town. Mm. A number of different uh, yeah. into the city. So it's a number of different things. Very exciting 
businesses and, and opportunities to do business in the countryside that I think we must enable. Because otherwise this will not only be a problem for the smart cities that this that smart cities is not only about the people are there. Mm-hmm. You also need to be in balance with the uh, the countryside. So smart city in a clever countryside where five G play a key mm-hmm. role, infrastructure smart, role. Smart I think that's important. And a clever countryside. countryside. I yeah, think that's yeah. a pretty good uh, uh, end of this interview. So thank you so much, Peter Linder. And you. we end the podcast here, right? Thank you very so much. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. And bye.